Think you don't have enough time in the day to spend with the Lord and be engaged in His business? Consider this from Pastor Ed Taylor. I was reading something recently that was an interesting quote. Uh, and the, the guy said something like this. The existence of Facebook and Twitter will be evidence at the judgment seat of God that we all had the time. You could be reading magazines. You could be watching movies. There's enough time for us to be men and women of the word. There's enough time for us to wash our wives with the water of the word. There's enough time for us to disciple our kids. There's enough time, and may the Lord use us to be set apart in a world that needs to hear, see, and feel the gospel, the hope of salvation. This is amazing grace. Hello again, and thanks for joining us for Abounding Grace. It's the radio outreach of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Pastor Ed Taylor will be in John chapter 17 today, where Jesus prays for himself, his apostles, and us just before his crucifixion. What a privilege when you stop to think of it. We have the great privilege of listening to Jesus talk with the Heavenly Father. I think of watching the news and And every once in a while, a city will take precedence in the crime reporting on the news. And usually it's one of two cities that get all the crime attention. It's either Denver or Aurora. And if you're not careful, you'll start to look at the news and allow the news to shade your eyes and go, oh, I can't believe it. How horrible Denver is. How horrible Aurora is. We got to go. I hate the crime. But, But see, you don't understand a few things. First of all, when you see crime happening in your city, pray. Pray for the victims. Pray for the cops. Pray for those, the, the 911 call that went in, for the operator, for the paramedic that has to carry these burdens. I mean, you got to pray. It's not just about a city. See, the news doesn't have enough time to report all the crime in Littleton. And the news doesn't have enough time to report all the crime in Cherry Hills or out in Castle Rock or, or Castle Pines or any of the other places. Look, the world is dark, period. The world is dark. And we are the light of the earth. Our hearts should be breaking, and it should be moving us to be that light. I'm reading a book right now. It started reminding me about my neighborhood, my neighborhood, my neighbors. Because I'm reading a book. You know, the last three and a half years, I've been reading everything I possibly can on pain, on sorrow, on grief, on difficulty. I want to I learn every angle, both you know, primarily from my own heart, but also to minister the gospel to the hurting, like Pastor Greg Laurie once said, man, if you preach the gospel to the hurting, you'll always have an audience. And it's true. And so I read everything. And I'll pick up a book. Somebody will recommend it. I'll read it in a couple days. I'm soaking it in. I'm reading a book right now by a young woman who is uh, teaching. the, the The purpose of the book is just to be real in your prayer life before the Lord. You know, to lament. To, to ask God why. Like I was reading Habakkuk this morning. And Habakkuk says, why, Lord? How long? Why aren't you listening? Why do the violent seem to be getting everything? Why is, injust, why is injustice running? I mean, Habakkuk's just totally straight up telling God what's on his heart. And that's the purpose of this book, the lament, to be honest with God in prayer. And I believe that. We should be honest with God. Two-thirds of the Psalms 
are lamenting David's heart before the Lord. Now, most of them end in a good time, but man, come to the Lord. The Bible says, casting your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. But here's the backdrop, and the reason I'm sharing with you today. The backdrop is this young woman's life. She was raised in a home with a mentally ill father. And his mental illness, whatever it was, she doesn't mention, caused him to get into a lot of trouble with crime. He's in and out of jail and doing horrible things to his wife. And she, she records a couple times where she had to go to court and testify against her mom or testify against her dad in some divorce proceeding. How she had to visit her dad in prison because the latest mental outbreak caused him to uh, get in trouble again and get sentenced for more years in prison. She mentions in her life how his mental illness, her own daddy, her own daddy, his mental illness uh, caused him it later on in life to get out of prison and stalk her, literally, to harm and hurt his own daughter. And it's caused her to learn more about the things of the Lord. And, but it's a dark, that's a dark life. That's sin on your doorstep. And I know some of us might be thinking, well, you know, if her dad was struggling, oh, she, she had her mom, at least she had her mom. Well, indeed, she did have a mom. But her mom lived a life that basically hated her guts. And at a very young age, her mom would kick her out of the house. And for her teenage high school years, the last part of her high school, she was living with friends, uh, trying to find a place to stay, and, and felt so embarrassed that she wasn't telling people what was going on in her family. People didn't know about that mentally ill father. And people didn't know about this mean-spirited, angry mom that didn't love. Just the fulfillment of what the Bible says. I'm reading her story. It's like, even if my mother and father forsake me, Lord, you won't forsake me. But she had to live it. And I wonder, I wonder if that's happening in the house next door to you, church. The darkness is on your street. I dare say it may even be in your own family. But it's in your own. Maybe that's why your boss is so angry. It's how his mom and dad treated him. Maybe that's why your coworker is so bitter. It's not just them being separated from God. It's not just that. But see, we forget that we're the salt and we're the light. And where darkness is, the presence of the Lord brings light and hope. And you work where you work because they need the light of the gospel. And you live where you live because your neighbors, I mean, uh, the snow, you know what I feel about snow. Not a big fan of it, if you didn't know. And everybody says, why did you move to Colorado? Because God told me to, all right? That's just the answer for that question forever. But there's benefits of snow, I guess. Uh, you know, my, my, my son Eddie moved out and got married, and then my other son Josh went to Bible college. I bought a snowblower. And of course, to which my kid said, why didn't you get that for me when we lived here? Because I had you, that's why. All right, I don't have you anymore. And so I got the snowblower. I, there's a brother in the church that keeps it all tuned up for me and changes the oil. I didn't even know you needed to change the oil, that kind of thing. So he takes it, and I got it in my garage, pointing out everything. I've, I've perfected this over the years. And the recent snowstorm uh, got out. Everybody's at work. I was at home. And, and I go out, and I do the whole sidewalk on our, tr- on our block. And I do my, uh, my stuff that I need to do. And then my next-door neighbor's wife is outside. 
and uh, we've been friends with them for a long time and haven't really talked to them lately and, and it was a chance opportunity. I went over and helped her finish what she was doing. We had a short conversation, but I was reminded that God put me on that block for them. That's why I live there. It wasn't us choosing a house or it wasn't the right price. It wasn't, it wasn't any of that. I was there for them. I'm there for them. Is there there also for us at times? You're the salt and the light. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. The call of God is infiltration, not isolation. So when Jesus prays, I don't pray that you should take them out of the world. That's on purpose. And that prayer is being answered right now. We are not taken out of the world on purpose. We are here to fulfill the will of God for our lives. And we need to look around the world that we have, the world that we're in, and be careful not to complain, be careful not to be so hypercritical, and ask the Lord how he wants us to affect this culture, how he wants us to to minister to our neighbors or our friends, or how to express the love of Jesus Christ. Let Let me give you a little assignment, if I will. You may be uncomfortable right now going to your next door neighbor. You don't know them. You're going to knock on the door and you're like, it's kind of awkward. It's kind of weird. I don't think I can do that yet. Let, let me give you, because the, the world, this world in which we live, when I say world, I mean the world system, man, it, it is dying for love. It is dying. I know the world has messages. You know, if you watch movies enough, you think that love is like so romantic and syrupy. So opposite of what the Bible teaches. And you listen to music long enough, you think, wow, you know, I, I, th- this, is, this is the way the world is. It's just this, and it's so cool here, and it's so wonderful here. And, and so what, what happens? What happens is we say, well, you know, Ed, I, I just won't listen to the world's music anymore. I just won't, I won't do that. And I say, that's great. If you want to limit that, that's wonderful. But you will never get out from under the influence of the world in your life. And you will never get away from the music of this world. Ever, never, never. You can never shut that switch off. You want to know why? Because if you've got to shop for anything, you've got to go to King Super, Safeway, Walmart, wherever you shop, Costco, when you walk in, eventually it's going to hit you that music is playing above you. And right now, it's probably some dumb song from the 80s playing. Now, you might like 80s music. I don't particularly like 80s music at all. And I'll tell you why. It's not just because it sounds horrible. That's not the only reason. It's because most of the sin and horrific things I did in life was associated to some stupid song in the 80s. The back, listen, sin always has background music. Sin always has background music. The world has music that influences behavior. I mean, companies like Kroger and Safeway, they hire people to do research on finding the right songs with the right tempo and the right thing so that it will motivate you to buy more. And the reason 80s music is playing right now is because most of the people with the, with the largest amount of money right now are people that grew up in the 80s. And it's going to change over time and it's going to move on. You notice they never play country music because that doesn't, that's going to make you want to shop. It's going to make you want to run away. <laughs> I was thinking first service, I said, I was telling first service, I think, you know, the the background music of hell is going to be country music. (laughs) Oh, no, I don't want to make any enemies. I don't want to make any enemies here. I'm just messing around, just messing around. It doesn't matter. One more thing to disagree on. Don't worry about it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
Sin always has background music, guys. And, and while we are wise to keep what comes through our eye gate and our ear gate for sure, we, we have to remember that, that the Lord has us in this world, not to be influenced by this world, but to influence the world to bring the light of the gospel into the world. So here's an assignment. If you're wondering, you know, you're just thinking, I don't know how to serve people and I just don't see the opportunities. I'm gonna give you two opportunities at the bare minimum that if you choose to do this, God will use you immediately. When you drive home today, take note, just take note of where the hospitals are. You probably already know where the hospitals are on your way home, um, but take note where they are. And if you decide this week, to go down to a hospital and walk into the emergency room, into the little waiting area there. This is, nobody's going to stop you from doing this. Nobody's going to stand at the door and tell you not to come in. Nobody's going to say, get out of here unless you're sick. They will let you in, into the ER, into the waiting room. If you will spend 30 seconds observing people there, there will be plenty of people to bring the hope of Jesus Christ to in that room. Even if you're too scared to say, oh, I can go up to a stranger, then just find someone where their face says, I am in anguish and I am afraid. Somebody I love is in that room behind that wall. Their face says it all. And just sit across from them and pray for them. Your heart will soften. Or, or on your way home, take note of all the convalescent homes and assisted living places that they're building. Some really beautiful ones I've noticed. My mom was in an assisted living home. We put her there for a couple of months when she was severely ill. And some of you recall, I had to fly back a few times and visit her and take care of her affairs and, and see if we couldn't bring her out here to live with us, which never really uh, came to pass. But these assisted living homes, these convalescent homes, um, are filled with people that could really use your encouragement, that could really use your love, that could really use you. I remember at the assisted living, in my, when, I, when I went to visit my mom, um, they're a little bit more healthy there. Um, they're not as sick there. So they're walking laps around the room there. And some have their walkers and some had their, uh, my mom had her cane and some were in wheelchairs. And, and they're just all over. As a matter of fact, the one that my mom lived in, there were five people outside before I even walked in the door that I could talk to and meet and, hey, how you doing? Can I go grab you something? Get my mom something to eat? Can I go grab? I mean, it was a beautiful thing just to bring some love and to hope to someone because I'm sure some of them can never get any visits. I'm sure some of them, their parents, like, like me, I lived, I lived out of state, so I couldn't visit my mom every week. I couldn't visit my mom every day. And so to come in, and I was, I was having all kinds of great conversations with them, just talking about life, asking them if they had a relationship with Jesus Christ, getting to know their family, bringing the love of Jesus Christ into someone's home. You don't know how. Like if you're looking for things to do, there are plenty of things to do to impact this city. And those are two things right away. That if you, take, if you choose to take me up on them, I cannot wait to read your email. I cannot wait to read what God did through your life. I cannot wait of what person you met and how much love you gave to them and how you bought them. You bought yourself those large fries, but you decided to give them away. And you just bless somebody. The city is waiting for the gospel. They don't know that. It's not like they're putting it out on, on Facebook. I'm waiting for the gospel to come to my house. But Jesus said this, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. That ratio is the same today as it was in Jesus' day. The harvest is huge and ready. Go get it. And very few people ever rise to that, to that call. Very few people ever get up and say, yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to go to that convalescent home. I'm going to go to that hospital. I'm, I'm going to go to that assisted living 
I'm going to go to that police station and bless the officer. I'm going to go to that fire station and just tell them thank you instead of complaining about their sirens all the time. They're going to save people's lives. Go thank them that when you call 911, they're going to come for you. But thank them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As salt and light on the earth. Notice, as we close here, notice. He says in verse 16, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. Yes, amen. God has sent us into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Three times Jesus uses a word translated sanctified here that we don't use very often. I don't really use that word at all unless I'm reading the Bible. So let me give you another definition for it. Sanctified is a Bible word that means to be set apart for a special use. Set apart for a special use. It's like at work. There's a lot of people that work at where you work, but you're set apart for your job. You have your job. That's why you're there. There's 100 people that work at your work, but you do your job. That's why you're there. You're set apart for a special use. And what does Jesus say? I'm setting them apart by the truth. Where's the truth found? But in the word of God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the embodiment of truth, and he's revealed to us through the scriptures. The truth. The truth. The world needs to hear the truth. Not necessarily proclaiming it from the top of the roof here with a megaphone, but in our lives. They need to hear the truth. They need to see the truth. They need to feel the truth. God uses emotions. I was ministering to a young lady just after first service that God apprehended her heart through her emotions. See, being saved isn't just an emotional thing, but don't think for a minute that it doesn't involve the emotions. God created us with emotions. And the people of our world need to feel the weight of their sin. They need to feel the hope of the gospel and know it to be true by the sanctifying power of God's truth. What does that mean? That means you and I must be men and women of the Bible. We must. There is no option. You must learn how to be a dad by the word of God, how to be a mom, how to be a grandma, how to be a friend, how to be a co-worker. You need to know how to be a boss, how to submit. You need to know how to handle conflict. You need to know how to live in life. And the way that you do that, the way you're set apart for the special use of God is you must know the word of God. But here's the thing. When they survey people, when they go out and asking people, most people don't read the Bible. And that includes this room. Most people don't read the Bible. They either rely on me to read it for you or you just don't read it at all. And I know before technology, paper Bibles were really important. And I mean, they still are. Um, I primarily use one, but, but, but I think about it. I'm sure many of you in your home, you have four, five, six Bibles. You got a Bible over here. You got a Bible over there. There's three up on the shelf. There's one under the desk. There's one uh, in my office. There's one in the back seat. Sometimes when I'm going, uh, like, you know, walking through a parking lot, I'll see a Bible back in the back window and it's all messed up and it's all discolored, which pretty much tells me it's been there for a while. And we all have Bibles. We all have Bibles, but we're not reading them. We're not just simply opening up and letting the Holy Spirit sanctify us by the truth. We're not going to the Bible when we have problems. We're going to people. Instead of going to the Word of God, the the Bible will answer things. It'll, It'll just speak to us when we go to the Bible. And so, in order for us to be really used, you have to be men and women of the Bible. 
I was reading something recently that was an interesting quote. Uh, and the, the guy said something like this. The existence of Facebook and Twitter will be evidence at the judgment seat of God that we all had the time. And some of you are going, well, Ed, I don't use Facebook or Twitter. I'm an Instagrammer. Whatever it is, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you do. You could be reading magazines. You could be watching movies. There's enough time for us to be men and women of the word. There's enough time for us to wash our wives with the water of the word. There's enough time for us to disciple our kids. There's enough time, and may the Lord use us to be set apart in a world that needs to hear, see, and feel the gospel, the hope of salvation. That's why Jesus prayed that. Not praying you take him out. You go, no, take me out, Lord. I'm ready, man. I'm ready. Take me out. And the answer from heaven, no, I know you're ready. But like Paul said, to depart and be with you is, is glorious. That's what he wanted to do. But to be left here is more needful. And God is not done with you yet. Like he told the captives through the prophet Jeremiah. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They're good and not evil. I have for you a plan and a purpose and a hope. And what is true in the character of God for the nation in captivity is true of the character of God for those of us relating to him through the new covenant. He has a plan and a purpose for you and me, and he's going to work it out in our lives. It involves pain and difficulty. It involves, you know, brokenness and broken dreams. But God is going to keep his word, and he's going to leave us until he's done with us. And when he's done with us, he's going to take us home. And what a glorious day that will be, my friends. But until then... We serve him, and we give ourselves to him. We are going through the Gospel of John one verse at a time with Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And before we part ways, just a few things we want to tell you about. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web, AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can also download our free app and access our teachings that way. Search for Ed Taylor or Calvary Church. See if this sounds familiar. You come across an atheist or non-believer that has some questions about Christianity or the Bible. It's about that time you scratch your head in confusion and don't know what to say. Well, allow Ron Rhodes to help in a book called Five Minute Apologetics for Today. Now, the book is short, giving you one-page answers to common questions and objections. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Now, you may not realize this, but we are listener-supported. And each dollar that's sent in is an investment in God's work over the radio and the Internet and will be prayerfully and responsibly used. You'll be helping people all across the nation and around the world grow in their relationship with the Lord and, in some cases, come to Christ. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, the rest of this week, you're going to be looking at a portion of Jesus' prayer that is for his future disciples. In other words, that's us. Can you give us a preview of what you'll be speaking about? I think you guys listening right now by now know that I love this portion of Scripture. I love the Gospel of John. And as Jesus is praying, it's pretty amazing that in that prayer, he was praying for us. 
not just for those that were there listening, but for those that would believe, and that's you and me. And whether it's unity that he talks about, which is so important here in the 21st century, or there's the setting apart of our lives by truth or a commitment to the Word of God, I think that the next study is going to be incredible and encouraging and strengthening you and reminding us that we're not of this world. Following Jesus, we are separate from this world, even though we are in the world. And that's why the world looks at us and just shakes their head and doesn't understand us. We shouldn't be like the world, friends. Please hear me out. There is a distinction for those that are following Christ. And think about it. Jesus prayed about that distinction 2,000 years ago, praying for you and me. Even now, as the Bible says, he's interceding to the Father on our behalf. It's just amazing. I'm so encouraged by it. So stay tuned. And don't forget to send us feedback. I'd love to hear what the Lord's doing in your life. I'd love to hear how God's using the radio broadcast in your life. I'd love to hear how we could pray for you. Uh, so reach out to us, AboundingGraceRadio.com, AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, that's coming up tomorrow and Friday on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.